Welcome to the ECG podcast, episode five for the week of March 1st, 2019. Coming up on today's show, we've got big news pretty much all out of Nintendo. We're going to talk Reggie stepping down, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Gen 8 revealed, and Xbox Game Pass coming to Switch. I'm your one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, and I'm joined by Adam Gumbert from Lexington, Kentucky. What's good, champions? Zach Cassell from Boston. Hey, good to be back. And we got Bobby Miller from Baltimore. How you doing? How you doing? The whole crew back together, man. This is exciting stuff. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We are coming off of a brief hiatus with uh, some unforeseen uh, and foreseen uh, personal things. So we didn't record last week. I uh, personally bought a uh, and moved into a new house. So uh, my life was in utter chaos, but (laughs) I am uh, excited to be in my new permanent uh, studio space here recording this with you fine gentlemen. Pixar didn't happen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely uh, send some once once I get everything kind of, you know, how, how I like it. But uh, absolutely. And of course, um, at the end of the show, we're going to have Holden from Respawn Aim Fire on to talk Metro. We'll get to that in a little bit. So uh, let's go right into the news here. Uh, Reggie uh, Fizame uh, stepping down um, from Nintendo, retiring uh, not only from Nintendo, but seemingly from uh, from games altogether. Uh, do you guys think he's uh, he's going away for for good, or do you think this is uh, more of like a Cliff Blazinski kind of retiring, where he might come back into the spotlight? Uh, I think I think he's done. Um, I mean, he's got nothing left to prove, really. So, uh, what hasn't he done? For, you know, for for video games for Nintendo, like he doesn't need to step back into any world related to video games to prove anything else not that that's what he would step in to do to prove something but like he said in his video he's accomplished so much in the time uh that that he was with us uh at the nintendo uh, what was he the president of nintendo america yeah and it's just like man it's he he was such a presence like uh, i don't know something about him man he was just like just such a super cool dude such a great personality so i i i hope he steps away like for good not that i don't want to see him just but just because like he deserves like a proper send off yeah you know i um i'm 50-50 on this like in terms of do i think he's going to come back or not i think on the one hand uh, you you nailed it he uh, he has done great things uh for nintendo of america he has been a fantastic uh, front-facing personality for a company that, uh, for a long time, very private. Uh, they didn't have a lot of personality. Uh, not that that's necessarily a you know, bad thing, but it wasn't really their jam. Uh, really uh, universally liked, I think, by the gaming community. Um, but on the other hand, too, I think the counterpoint to that is you t- he seems like a very driven uh, personality type, uh, kind of a go-getter. And often those types of personalities, I feel like have a hard time settling into retirement if they feel like they have more that they can you know, do or give. The wheels start turning again. Um, so I don't know. But uh, I think it's, uh, as you said, he if he doesn't ever emerge back into the gaming scene, um, he certainly deserved uh, you know, uh, a his retirement or earned his retirement, I should say, and uh, deserves all the success that he's gotten over the years. Yeah. I don't know if he'll step back in, but um, I do love just some thinking about what Reggie done. Of course, the puppet thing, 
for <laughs> Star Fox or whatever. And then I remember when Smash for Wii U was coming out, and he like played in a tournament and he got beat. And I think he was like kind of salty. He's like, "Yeah, well, I'm not, I have a real job or something." I don't remember. That's yeah. what I remember in my head. But I remember him like getting mad that some pro player beat him. But now Reggie was a cool dude. So do I think he'll come back? I could see like two or three years doing like something else at a high level, but I don't know if it'll be Nintendo or maybe not even video games. We'll have to see. President of the United States. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's 57 years old, so he's not as young thought, you know, when the story first broke. I was like, ah, oh, man, that guy's like, you know, too young to retire. Surely, you know, he's got more to offer. But uh, 57, you know, for, especially with the kind of career that he's had. Um, I was kind of looking through some of the highlights here on Wikipedia. Um, he was a brand management um, specialist for Procter & Gamble and later took a position as a senior director of national marketing. Uh, and if you guys remember the Bigfoot pizza and the big New Yorker at Pizza Hut, those were, I guess, initiatives oh. <laughs> of his, which is kind of <laughs> cool. But um, yeah, he has kind of a nice varied career, but um, I don't know, man. I just, I wish the guy well. Um, I think it's hilarious that he succeeded by a guy whose last name is Bowser. There's been all kinds of memes and jokes uh, on the internet for very obvious reasons, but. Uh, That's literally like, you couldn't ask for <laughs> <laughs> replacement at least when it comes to names like that's that's so perfect bowser's got the keys to nintendo yeah it's like it was written in the stars you know exactly how about you bobby boy um you you're a reggie fan you like i i was until the wii u came out uh yeah. that was just it, I, I still have it, I, but I just am still so confused by the whole Wii U. But I've always liked Reggie. I think he did a good job with the 3DS and and then the Switch. Uh, I, I think he'll be behind the scenes, but I don't think he'll come back. And I don't blame yeah. him. He he went out on a good note. I mean, I remember Sony had so many people, like uh, the guy that kept doing the commercials, I can't remember his name, that kept coming out at like E3 and random things. Uh and then Sony just still doesn't seem to have uh, <laughs> one person that they want to do everything for them. Yeah, and you occasionally see people like Sean Layden, you know, so, yeah. uh, from Sony. And, of course, Microsoft has Phil um, Spencer, who, you know, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it, this is totally in my, my head. But, you know, when we talk about uh, one of the next stories, I can totally see the genesis of one of the big, you know, rumors uh, to come out of this week being, you know, Phil and Reggie, like, sitting down over a beer <laughs> and, like, talking through and just that being the brainchild, you know, and that's, like, a, t- a total fantasy in my brain. But they just seem like two cool dudes that, you know, could conceive of something um, as wild and uh, unprecedented as, 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 you know, that uh, project. Yeah, um, definitely. And what I do wonder about is him stepping down so closely to uh, Google announcing their new system that's supposed to, or console that's supposed to, uh, like, uh, get in the mix now. I think that's very interesting. I hope he doesn't go that route because uh, Nintendo's been very good to him. And I, I would not back another console right now, but that's just me. Yeah, I, you know, um, I've seen that toss around a little bit where people kind of speculating, is he going to be a consultant or work, you know, for another company? Um, at least, the like, messaging-wise, the way that, like, his video kind of felt and really, you know, using the word retirement versus, like, you know, stepping down or stepping away, like, it does seem to imply that he's planning on not doing anything for at least a while. Um, but, hey... Uh, definitely some talent that'll that'll be missed um, in the gaming sphere for sure. We wish him wish him well. Um, do you guys want to add anything else uh, on that particular beat? He's the man. 
He is indeed. Um, so I suppose it's a good transition to talk about and circle back to uh, to Pokemon in a second. But um, the, uh, the man just jaw dropping rumor this uh, week of um, some Xbox exclusives and more importantly, Game Pass as a service um, coming to the Nintendo Switch. Um, there's not a whole lot of detail yet, but it seems to have like this rumor seems to have gained traction uh, throughout the week with more and more sites um, independently verifying with their own sources that this is indeed happening. Holy fucking shit. I was hype like to a billion when we were talking about achievements, um, you know, yes. our, I think our uh, second or third episode. And you guys kind of walked me back off the ledge, brought me back down to earth a little bit like hey it's probably just going to be an app on the switch and i was like yeah you know they're probably right and then this shit comes out are you fucking kidding me like hmm. uh and i understand that it you know that there are a lot of challenges and question marks here but holy shit man what what, what in the fuck do you guys make of this make <laughs> it happen oh my god please make this happen because there is nothing more than I want to play my Xbox games on the go. And not only do I get to play uh, any Xbox games, but I get to play my favorite one, Gears of War. I am a huge, huge, huge Gears fan. And if I can play Gears at my buddy's house or wherever, just by plopping the Switch down and, and hopping on Game Pass and playing, man, I will lose my mind. Because that's insane. And like I said, well, like you said, I'm sorry. We were talking about it like all of us thought that there's no way that they're going to bring Microsoft games over to a Nintendo platform. It's our biggest pie in the sky was achievements, right? Like just earning Xbox. That's what we were striving for. We just want to be rewarded while we play. And now, holy (laughs) shit, they dropped this bomb on us that not only will we be rewarded while we play, but we'll be playing fucking xbox games on it it's it's insane and i i hope i i hope it's true and i hope it's not so i it popped into my head that like when they said it i thought of like a way for them to kind of like swerve us and it would be like microsoft is gonna introduce the game pass like idea so they'll have Game Pass, but it'll be all N- Nintendo games on it. And I would that that kind of like I was like, oh man, I hope that like wouldn't be it. But like the way that everything's being written about it and all is, it's legit Xbox Game Pass, and like I just think that's that's like such a huge step in 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 today's world where like crossplay is like blowing up and becoming you know. I don't want to say the norm because it's still, you know, there's a lot of things you can't do it on, but like these big games like Fortnite and everything you can. So for them to put the whole Game Pass, um, you know, uh, platform, I guess, I don't know the right word for it, over there is is just, it's it's like, a, that's a monumental step. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, man, I have so many, you know, questions, first of all. Um, but when you think about it, you have multiple generations generations of both first party and third party titles that are already on game pass things from the original xbox 360 um some are first party microsoft titles some are third party things the idea that you you know can play those um on the goal and i i know that traditionally you know 
um, it, this is this story has been talked about that well you're going to have to have a good connection because the switch can't handle the game so that dampens the excitement a little bit um, I disagree I think that there are plenty of titles on Game Pass that the Switch could easily play and that, you know, theoretically you could download the entire game. Like, you know, I'm talking 360 things, Xbox uh, games, but just to have all these new games like in, in one fell swoop available on your Switch. And I think you mentioned, Zach, just the portability of that console versus an Xbox is huge. You know, even if you do have to be connected uh, to take advantage of, of that, uh, that service, um, just for travel purposes, it's service. awesome. Yes, that's the word. I couldn't, I couldn't think of it. I think it's more, I mean, it's definitely cool and exciting, but this is the whole Project xCloud, because to me, it's, it'll be streaming, because we know Resident yeah. Evil 7 and Odyssey, I believe, streamed on Switch in Japan. So I'm guessing that yeah, you subscribe to Game Pass, mm-hmm. you'll stream because honestly, like Gears Five would not run on a Switch, and I don't no think they're gonna, not natively anyway. Yeah, yeah they're not going to pick and choose. You sure. can download this, you can, but you have to stream that. I think it's a step towards getting it at Game Pass on everything. So like, if it's coming to Switch, why couldn't it come to phones? Why couldn't it come to? I mean, you know, there's already Play Anywhere stuff, but it could come to laptop, come to PC, it could come to PlayStation if they wanted it. Like. This is the future they're talking about where like games won't only be streaming, but it's like we're going to give people the option to be able to stream things wherever they want. Because at the end of the day, Microsoft gets that $10 in their pocket. So it doesn't matter to them, um, you know, where you get the games at. They're like, hey, it's consumer friendly. Gamers won't be mad. They can play it wherever they want to. We get the $10 a month and we can get our stuff on every device possible. I think it's I mean, if it works the way that in my mind it's working. That's awesome. That's a big step. So, like, this E3 is going to be hype. Oh, like, yeah. Nintendo and Microsoft going, doing whatever they have planned. It's great. And they, I already have Game Pass, so I'll just, you know, I'll go to a friend's house instead of taking the Xbox. I'll just take the Switch if he's got good internet. There we go. I'll just stream it and play it on there. Well, this does a few different things for Microsoft. You know, it, it garners them a truckload of goodwill, continued goodwill um, that they already have from Game Pass and backward compatibility. As you said, it showcases this new streaming technology. It very much is a way for them to make xCloud valuable, you know, right? Like something that um, is uh, easy to sort of understand why it's valuable and why you'd want to use that technology. But yeah, it, it just, I mean, exponentially increases the amount of people. I personally don't have Game Pass now, um, like at the moment. Like I've had it on or off as games have kind of come on and, you know, there's something I wanted to play whatever, but I can tell you if this works in practice as good as it looks on paper, that'll just be another subscription that I pay for probably indefinitely Um, just because of, you know, uh, having access to those first party games, the new first party games, that still blows my mind. I haven't gotten over the shock of that. Like, oh, by the way, the new Halo, the new gear, like all that stuff is day one on Game Pass. Um, And all the other stuff. It's like, hey, let me play the entire Tomb Raider trilogy on my Switch because I could have never played those games on Nintendo before. All right, there you go. Stream it through Game Pass. Right. right. So will there be such thing as a Microsoft exclusive anymore then? Is there right now? Yeah, it's an, I Xbox. Mean, it's an Xbox game. It'll be Xbox Studios games. So it'll just be Microsoft. So that's, so that's what I'm saying. There's, it's no longer going to be, man, you can only experience this game on an xbox console because you'll be able to experience this game on a nintendo console yeah no so well 
would yeah. it just be called a Microsoft exclusive instead of like a because it's see I don't I don't I wouldn't even know how to word that. I think I Xbox uh, Xbox you know Game Pass exclusive or Xbox you could still call it an Xbox exclusive because Game Pass has the Xbox branding. And yeah, if that's it a is, good idea. If it's called an X Cloud, you still kind of you know the streaming service. You still have that Xbox um, branding. Some of the one of the I mean, it's kind of minutia, but I I almost wonder too. Like, if you're Microsoft, do you you keep it at that ten dollar a month sweet spot? Do you have an upcharge to 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 you know have Game Pass on both the Xbox or the Nintendo Switch? Like, how do you see them? Uh, pulling the logistics on this as far as like you know um, like what what they would potentially charge or like you know, um, I, how to handle that financially. I don't think it would be um, an increase um, just because um, this, they're trying to, Xbox is trying to, I feel, rebuild their popularity still from the debacle that was the release of the Xbox One. And uh, what better way to do that than to not increase the price as you put your, I would say, one of the best things about owning an Xbox, really, onto um, another platform for a whole new group of people to enjoy. And, like, so if you only play on Nintendo, like, do you split the price then? Like, do you have to have a Microsoft, like, um, uh, like, do you have to have an Xbox to get Game Pass on the Switch? So, like, do they charge you the money for both if you don't even own an Xbox? Do you need to own an Xbox in order to be able to get Game Pass on the Switch? Like, I don't think so. There's a lot of questions that I think still need to be answered before we can dive down the rabbit hole of whether or not. I see that this would sell Nintendo online subscriptions. Like I think they do. I think Nintendo requires you have the Nintendo and you put these two things together and you know, cause that's not very, it's what 20 bucks a year. If you're Nintendo, suddenly you have a ton of switch owners that maybe haven't been enticed by the other incentives to have Nintendo online where it suddenly becomes a no brainer. And per- perhaps they, you know, change their pricing structure accordingly. Hey, you know, if you if you have Nintendo Online, you can also have this as an add-on. Um, that'll be interesting to see, man. That's the thing. There's just so many variables. I'm just, I am so pumped for this. I it either, they either need to come out and be like, "This isn't true. Stop getting fucking hyped about it," or they need to come out and say, "This is fucking happening, and here's how it's gonna work." Because I'm gonna lose my mind if they fucking make me wait until E3. Yeah, I don't think they sit on this till E3. Maybe that, even if that was the plan all along, um, it makes me wonder more and more. Like as some of this information for you know things like this, the achievement initiative, um, just the things that kind of uh, this wave that Microsoft's riding, I, you kind of wonder how much of a whiff Sony has gotten of all this, and whether or not that is you know a factor on why they aren't appearing at E3. Yes, I know they've said they don't have a lot of games to show and things, but. I wonder if they would rather remain silent versus trying to uh, go up against this sort of <laughs> these sort of headlines. You know, you got to imagine that that's a tough pill to swallow, even if you are kicking everyone's ass this generation. But why? Like, there's no, there's no. I look at this move as a as a gamer gamer positive like move. 
if Sony was I, to come out and, if Sony was to come out and try and detract from that in any way, shape, or form, I see that as a slap in the face to gamers. Because, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So, so if like I think, if anything, if that was to come out and to be successful in in all that, if anything, they should be like, well, let's get on this, or at least throw out a congratulations or something. Yeah, again, if you can't say anything nice, right? Don't say it anything at all. <laughs> yeah, and that might be the tack they're taken with, you know, um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I think they're going to have plenty of big news, uh, you know, in 2019. I think they're kind of sitting back and waiting till it's the right time. But, For sure, uh, but they're in no way, shape, or form. They don't. They don't need. Sony doesn't need anything. They're, now, they're, yeah, yeah. Now they don't. What I worry about is like I don't think. With all this emerging technology, uh, cloud streaming, um, cross-progression, cosplay, all these things that seem to be the wave of the future and that are really happening, it seems like suddenly, you know, it's just like, it seems like one of these things where like, we're going to look back and just be like, oh yeah, that was a thing. There didn't used to be streaming. Uh, there didn't used to be cross-progression. There didn't used to be, uh, you know, a Nintendo and Xbox, um, you know, laying in bed next to each other, smoking a cigarette and go, God, that was fucking hot, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and and I, I don't think Sony can afford to, to be com- complacent and tone deaf to, to you know, uh, the fact that, as you said, this is a gamer positive thing. They, I think they have to figure out a way. I'm not saying that I ever see them partnering with Microsoft, but they have to kind of find a way, I think, to um, to stay relevant and you know more than just you know uh creating games and right now i mean obviously they're they're the best first party um you know uh publisher um and steward of of exclusives i mean no no argument for me on that front but i think as we get into this new generation there's going to be more than just that at play so i don't know and I have to say, I, I am the biggest Sony person out of all of us, and I am really excited about the Xbox, Nintendo, like if they do the Xbox Game Pass. Because it's like even like uh, the WWE app, which I'd never understood to begin with. Uh, my stepfather loves the WWE. And Shout when out. the app came out, yeah, it was it was <laughs> like 10 bucks a month for like all the pay-per-views. And I just remember all the times I just wanted to kill him when it was like 65, 70 bucks for a pay-per-view. And then... Mm. It, it just works so well. It's like for some reason, WWE keeps pushing it and it keeps working. And it it's the same thing that I kind of see that I think streaming is the way to go. And I think Sony has no place at E3 at all. I, I really hope that they don't like, I'm sorry, I love Sony, but I hope they don't like debag it up and then come out with some stupid announcement to try to overshadow anything. I think they need to let it be about Microsoft and Nintendo. Uh, I think that they're doing good this we all know that when they first came out with the pricing for the PS3, that was that was the. I don't know how they survived that, but it it just. I think they need to just let this happen, and I think it's going to be a good thing for everybody, like Xbox on anything, because I love playing my Switch, and when I go to PAX East at the end of the month, I can't wait because it 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 just makes me realize that maybe next year or the year after I'll be able to play Xbox games on there waiting. <laughs> Uh, for the lines to open up at PAX or, or any other thing I'm waiting for. I, I think that's pretty cool. I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad that Xbox is evolving uh, and, and in a good way, as opposed to Sony. It just seems like they're like, yeah, we just keep doing the same thing and it's working. Uh, and I can, I should clarify Like we don't know, you know, right. Like uh, Sony could be sitting on a huge bomb, you know, uh, with, 
some of this, they may have things in the works. Like you just never know. And yeah. I, and again, I want to clarify. Like I love, so I have a PlayStation Four Pro. I love my PS Four. I think you know, again, unequivocally, unequivocally, excuse me, uh, Sony has knocked it out of the park when it comes to first party uh, games. Um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe maybe they're going to take the the path of like we just want to keep it simple and have your gaming box and you know, put out quality games. And I don't know that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but I, I do kind of wonder long-term, you know, um, yeah. how that would sustain them. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what another thing is. I heard the rumors lately, which are all rumors. I hate rumors anyway, but and they keep talking about the PS5 being extremely uh, backwards compatible, which is something everybody wanted with the PS4. But of course, Sony was like, no, we want you to pay for our games like 19 times over. Well, the issue was the cell processing of the yes. PS3. Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, was not only notoriously difficult to develop for, which is why you saw versions of games like Skyrim have a lot more glitches and, and problems um, with optimization on the PS3 versus 360. But apparently, um, and I'm not a, a you know an utter tech geek or anything, so I don't understand the particulars. But apparently, it's very hard to emulate that PS3 software and to have backwards compatible games, um, which is yeah. why you saw a lot of remasters, you know, I, in air quotes, like for, for certain games, um, you know, to, to, to go come over from PS3 to PS4. But that's my understanding of that situation too. But yeah, yeah I mean, I still play my PS3. Uh, there's a, like, I tried to do the Metro stuff. I tried to go back this week and, oh man, I don't know how you do it. I give you a lot of credit. Oh <laughs> I, I have not had it. We'll get into that later. I have not had okay. the time to catch up yet on Metro, but I'm so fucking hype on trying Exodus that I, I'm just going to, I think, switch the difficulty down to easy and push Skip through. one and two, just go to three. <laughs> you think so, man? Like, I just, I love when I found out there was a continuity with the character and stuff. Yeah. Like, anyway, yeah, they're, I don't know. They're too hard. They're old. Old games are old. But last thing on this, real quick. I think it's good for everybody. I think Sony's going to continue to put out amazing games. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna, they have their next gen figured out. They're just not saying anything because they're getting ready for next gen. Um, Microsoft is going new and interesting places. Just like when Nintendo was down, they're like, let's do something crazy and interesting. I think all three companies are going to do really good shit. And I think for the next 10 years, gaming is going to be good wherever you are. And I think it's probably going to be the best years of gaming we have. Because everyone... Honestly, they're no one's petty. Like everyone gets along. Like they all every time anything happens, you know, Sean Layden says, Oh man, I love my Switch and I like this game that came out. You know, like they're all Phil Spencer loves everything. Everybody's nice to everybody nowadays. They now, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> took a while. Yeah, it took a while, but everyone's good now. Everything everyone looks like they're doing good things coming up for next gen. Like I think this is gonna be some really good years of gaming. So regardless of how it all works out and the logistics of it, I think. All three companies are, are going to be doing big things. Yeah, and the, game, the gamer is the one that wins, right? I mean, yeah, well, I'm winning. Like, that might make any difference. I'm happy. Absolutely. Look at look at 2017 and 2018, man. Like, I don't remember a time where we had two back to back like juggernaut years of games. Like, yeah, holy shit, man. Like, 17 and 18 were huge, huge, and like, I I don't see how I don't see how they like it'd be. I hope they can keep the trend going, and then this year is just as good. But like, man, Dude, games and services, not just games. Yeah. Like, Game Pass yeah. is a thing, and then we've got, you know, amazing games coming out from third party, from first party. Like, and then you know they're being nice. We're going to new gen. Things are looking crazy. This is going to be good. Hell yeah, I can't wait. So, 
Awesome. All right. Well, um, kind of rounding out the the news uh, cycle here, still very Nintendo centric. Um, we had our first look at Pokemon Sword and Shield this week. My I'll confess, God. I'm not much of a Pokemon guy, like as far as playing the games, but I love the culture surrounding it. Um, I get excited that other people get excited. I love looking at all the dumb designs of all these stupid little pocket monsters. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to really uh, let those of you guys that play and like Pokemon uh, go ahead and, you know, talk amongst yourselves. So I'll interject here uh, <laughs> when I have something to say, but, but go, Adam, go for I it. I just want to know which Pokemon you chose out of the three, Adam. I don't know. I'm looking. That fire rabbit looks. Here's what I mean. Oh, though. my God. The fire rabbit. I don't know why everybody likes that stupid thing. <laughs> Here's my thing. Here we go. Last time, there was a cat that was a fire cat. I'm like, that's cool, I guess. But then he turned into a luchador giant yeah. cat. I'm like, you know what? That's what I need to know. Which one of these three starters is going to be the most badass when he's fully evolved? <laughs> See, that's why I chose the monkey, because I figured the monkey might eventually turn into like a gorilla or an ape. Yeah, um, but the big old King just, Kong. the Blaziken, like the Torchic Blaziken, still just blows my mind of how awful of a Pokemon that was. Yeah, but that dude, that giant Luchador cat with the championship belt. But anyways, this yeah, guy. That, before yeah. we do get into this, I gotta ask, um, Zach. You said you were waiting for Pokemon to be a big thing. Does this interest you? Did this do it for you? What? What are we? Not, what are you not in the slightest bit. Oh no, I thought it would be Me either. Man, I gotta confess, I was with Zach like. You know, if it looks cool enough, um, like I'm, this might be the game that I play. Um, this is not going to be that game for me. So I was waiting, like I, they were like, and here's the, the, well, they didn't say that, but like the reveal was coming and like they started showing the world and everything. And I was like, all right, it's like, you know, kind of world looks similar to, to the Let's Go games, but I want to wait till I see the characters and like see what, you know, what it looks like. And then they showed the character running around on the world and I was like, and I turned it off. I was like, and I don't care. And oh, don't get me wrong, it, it looks cool. Like, it's just, I have z- zero um, interest in the Pokemon, man. I don't know any of the ones that are outside of the original 180. And it's just, the games don't appeal to me in a way that, you know, they do. For, like, you guys are excited over the three starting Pokemon. <laughs> and, like, I looked if at those things. turns into a Luchador. Yeah, and I'm just looking <laughs> at those things, and I'm just like, dude, like, they all just look silly to me. Like, they don't, like, nothing about these is like, oh, dude, this guy, like, compared to the last dude, like, his powers, and, like, I'm just like, dude. But that's kind like of the, the charm, don't you think? Like, yeah, again, I'm not a Pokemon get like a squirtle versus like a blastoise or a charmander versus like a charizard right i know a little bit about classic pokemon i'm not completely ignorant (laughs) y'all but um you know there is like a pretty clear progression where they start very cutesy and kind of like googly eyed and then they look really cool in the final form um so i don't know that's part of the charm for me is like look at these dumb little idiot you know uh simpletons and they turn into like these big ass like awesome you know uh monsters and you know that's the part of it i like is just kind of the art style my brother uh what's up kyle super into pokemon this is a game that i will watch him play and like just he's gonna go fifty thousand miles an hour when he's talking uh when he's excited about all this stuff and i I don't know i find that part of it charming i agree with you zach no appeal to me to play but um 
that you don't find it charming at all, man. It doesn't melt your your little heart of stone just a little bit. Yeah, so it's not that like I'm against that kind of you know those kind of games or anything. It's just um, my my roommate plays Pokemon, loves it, and he's been playing the Let's Go games, and like all the time he just talks about man, who's like I caught. 38 diglets in a row trying to get a shiny one and i'm like dude <laughs> that does not sound appealing to me whatsoever that's and i understand specifically that's not normal pokemon well i mean yeah. it could, but that's For let's all. go is only catching things and not actually fighting in in like the whole the whole um aesthetic of the game just doesn't appeal to me which is weird because i usually don't mind games like that that like look you know cartoony like that Something about it, man, just turns me off. Like, did you see the still from the new Pokemon movie coming out? I've seen several. Mm-hmm. Which one are you referring to? <laughs> so I, I, I'm so I don't know. It's like wicked. Uh, it's wicked cartoony. Oh, that, that's the wrong word to use. Um, like CGI. Mm-hmm. Oh, Detective it, Pikachu. Yeah, and it's like uh, no, the no. I'm sorry, not not the Detective Pikachu movie. The, oh, the, the remake. Yeah, yeah. The remake of the um animated. Oh. No, I have not. Oh well, it's like it's like they are like CG, like straight out of like a video game cutscene. That's how they look, and and like that's how I wanted the game to look. And uh, then yeah. I would have been all for it, but like ah man, like I wanted. Yeah, I, that's just me being nitpicky. Don't don't let me be a nitpicky take away from the fact that the games are like great and everything. That's just they're just not for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't played since Gold and Silver, so. I'm ready to get back in. It's on. So Switch. for context, how long ago is that, dude? Like for those of us that are just. Yeah, because I got no idea. 2000. Yeah. It was the ones after yellow, red and blue. It was those next that next gen. And then that's where I stopped. So okay. pretty. So 2003, maybe. OK, yeah. Wow. So that's why now? Like what? 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 So what about the games in the past didn't appeal to you that this one is like, oh, man, this looks awesome. Other than the updated, you know, visuals and all that. That's part of it. I wanted updated visuals. I wanted a console game. And even though it looks sort of cartoonish or whatever, I don't want to play a handheld Pokemon anymore. I want to be able to sit down, walk through a JRPG where I can fight monsters. That's what I want to do. So this is why the reason I bought a Switch, well, Smash came out and I was like, fuck, Pokemon's coming out next year. So why it doesn't look, you know, CG, the most over-the-top thing, they took the good things from Let's Go, which I don't really like that much, but they took the good parts of it that I did like. And I'm like, I can sit down with an actual controller and play this game as I remember playing the old games. And that's what makes me interested in it. Makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Bobby? I agree. I, my thing is I, I, I collect the cards. Uh, my wife hates it because uh, I came into it late. Like I have almost every single Pokemon card from the XY series forward. Uh, I have them in a whole bunch of tubs in the uh, bedroom, which she loves to walk around. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I remember collecting them as, as a kid with my brother. It's like we we our dad was never around. So it was like it was just something we did together. So it's like that's how Pokemon came to me. Uh, just playing with him. He's a lot younger than I am. Uh, and it's just like that's how we came together with that. And it's like we still talk about it now. Like I think he's getting married. He just settled on his house. Uh, he's getting a new house. And. But to see new Pokemon, that 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 gets me every time. It's like I always get excited for Pokemon, but when they announce new Pokemon, there's going to be several new ones in the new series. 
I, I am a hundred percent all about it. Like I, I loved let's go uh, Eevee. I, I didn't do Pikachu cause he's just, he's the Nike swoosh of Pokemon for some reason. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't do Pikachu, but uh, I, I'm just glad that they're, this seems to be going forward in a better, I, I really wish the Pokemon direct would have been a little bit more, uh, several other things as opposed to just sword and shield. Uh, but, uh, I, I am excited for this and Sabo looks cool too, even though it seems like he's got like a stressed out, sad Pokemon, like he's sobbing. Uh, I, I don't know what that's about, but I would like to see how that's going to evolve. Yeah. I'm but, gonna, I, I, but I am excited. I just want my nostalgia, my memory of Pokemon and then to play this and it be my memory or better. Cause I haven't played it since it's been like 3d walking around in a 3d world you know i'm used to the top down old oh stuff, so yeah, that's what gets me because again i did i stopped at silver yeah. oh wow okay wow yeah i feel like for me i just uh, as far as pokemon goes like i played a lot of the cod game when I, when I was younger so i wouldn't like not good like me and my buddies when we were younger just had them and we played each other but like i played that you know then Yu-Gi-Oh came out so like i kind of fell off pokemon and went to Yu-Gi-Oh and and digimon so like i kind of i kind of jumped around to all those shows about people with animals or things that come out the cards and i didn't really stick to one so i kind of feel like that's why i didn't really stick to the games either because i played the games while i was watching the show and then after i fell off the show i kind of fell off the games and i just never picked them back up no i understand it again it's if you didn't If you weren't, the only reason I'm really interested because I liked it as a kid. So I understand that. If I was not into Pokemon, like, there's so many RPGs or JRPGs out there that, like, oh, this is good. I'm like, yeah, I don't give a shit. But this has my nostalgia. It looks new enough and interesting enough. And I'm looking for the Luchador Pokemon. <laughs> oh, the bartender? I didn't see that. What's going on with it? Oh, the bartender? He looks like a Luchador. Yeah, yeah. It's the evolution of, oh, what the hell is his name? Yeah, because I saw everybody was making gifts of him, uh, or gifs, whatever the hell people call him nowadays. It's a gif. Uh, later, yeah, I know. I, I'm way too old to care. Uh, it, they, uh, I love the Detective Pokemon trailers, like because it just gets better and better. Oh yeah, you know, talking about behind the yeah, yeah, the, it was, yeah, the bartender. I can't remember which Pokemon that was. Man, did you guys watch that new trailer? Totally off topic of games, but did you watch it? Yes, yes. That Man, all right, so we all watched it, right? Yeah. Bobby, you watched it. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my God, man. They ruined that Mewtwo moment. They should have saved that. Yes, I agree. I, yeah, I felt that literally way. like when I saw that, I, I, I literally out loud said like, holy fucking shit, just because I know how big of a deal Mewtwo is. So like yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh, my God, why didn't they save the, 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 the theater? Because I like to go see those movies, obviously, you know, like the majority like of like comic book fans, like the day it comes out, that's where you get all like the real fans. So like the the movie theater would have lost their shit, shit when Mewtwo came out, man. If they didn't know, yeah, yeah, oh, that would have been a moment. I was Don't just talking with a buddy of mine last night uh, how there's a pretty long history of um, marketing companies um, spoiling certain surprises in movies, and sometimes the filmmakers uh, don't have anything to do with the trailers. That's how they're made. Uh, the most famous example is. Um, the tagline for Terminator 2 is this time he's back for good. Uh, 
so James Cameron did not want people. And if you watch Terminator 2, by the way, you can totally see this and how the first half hour is structured. He did not want people to know that uh, that the Terminator was good, um, that uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be a good guy in it. He wanted that to be a surprise and for the first half hour to be ambiguous on who is who and what's going on. Um, and they spoiled it in the teaser trailer for Terminator 2. And apparently he was furious, like absolutely furious because he felt like one of the best surprises of the movie was ruined by telling cinema audiences in advance that uh, Schwarzenegger was going to be the good guy. Um, so yeah, that continues to be a problem. I, that's why if there's a movie I'm really hype on, like I will not watch probably any more trailers for Avengers. Um, Me neither. Too- it's too close. I don't need to see anymore. <laughs> I know I'm, I didn't really need to see the first one, but I just couldn't help myself for the teaser. Um, but yeah, I like, I just, um, I, I think after a certain point, like it just, you, you run the risk of something like that happening where you're like, it's a great surprise that would have been um, better saved uh, in the cinema. Like you said, Zach. Um, yeah. Now speaking um, to you guys who do play Pokemon um, and who do know more about it. Um, who who would be so they they spoil Mewtwo? Who's left that like th- the vast majority of the audience would be like, holy fucking shit, this person's here. Ash Ketchum. Yeah, that would be nice. What or about Mew. for a Pokemon or Mew? Yeah, normal Mew. Yeah, the, the there's still plenty of legendary that they could put in there that would be a big deal. Or Team Rocket, like there's. Oh man, I totally forgot about them. There's there's stuff they could still put in there. Yeah, that's the thing with movie trailers. Either they show too much, or they swerve you like the Avengers trailer, where it's like Thor, uh, Hulk's in the Wakanda. No, he's not. Um, or they <laughs> tell you nothing at all. Like go back and watch the trailer for Get Out, and you have no fucking idea what that movie's about for real. Mm-hmm. So, but now either way, I'm excited for Pokemon. Excited for that movie. Good stuff. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, but that movie looks so good. Yeah, that movie's all kinds of hype. Those trailers are amazing. So, uh, yeah, while I'm not interested in playing the, the new games, I am totally going to go see <laughs> that movie. So, <laughs> I mean, hats off to, uh, you know, to somebody for getting me to care about Pokemon enough to, to throw some cash. Um, so, yeah. I think Ryan Reynolds is a good choice too. Like he's a very marketable person right now. So yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. His career definitely took a 360. Yeah. I like him now more than before. That's Deadpool for you. It did. It, yeah, it did it. Deadpool. Definitely. Yeah. I, I have to agree. Yeah. Even that they try to do one that was like PG 13 for the kids, which I thought was cool. Cause I know my, uh, my wife's uh, nephew, he loves Deadpool. Uh, and he could never see it until they did that, so it was good that they, they did that so he could finally uh, see it. Sorry, I didn't mean to get sidetracked there. No, no, it's all right, man. <laughs> That's all about uh, getting sidetracked sometimes. That's why I love it. Uh, all right. Well, Alyssa, uh, you guys have anything else to add on Sword and Shield? We'll quickly dip into uh, really just a couple of um, notable new releases um, for this week, but anybody else want to add anything uh, before we move on? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right, awesome. Uh, so uh, last week, unfortunately, the week we didn't record, we uh, we got a lot of big notable notable releases. Excuse me, which means this week there's not a whole lot out of note. Um, obviously, tons of indie games and things on the Switch, but um, I just wanted to call out a couple. Um, Ape Out 
uh, looks fantastic. The music is awesome from what I've heard. And I like the art style. It seems kind of like a the even trippier uh, hotline Miami. So I'm well into it. I can't wait to download and try check this out. You guys seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks pretty good. The Devolver yeah. Digital, I believe. So mm-hmm. they always make some pretty Devolver, interesting stuff. They're, they're every year at E3, they they blow my mind because they're out of nowhere with some nonsense. And it's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, they'll, they'll be at PAX this year too. So I'm excited to see what they've got there. Oh, are they, or what days are you going? I'm going uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I got Sunday too, but I, I can't stick around that long. I usually see I, I see everything I got to see in the three days. Sunday, I'm usually there just like putzing around, wasting my time, so I don't even bother with it anymore. Yeah, Sunday was like the free day to get like all the crap that they couldn't give away all week long because I had uh-huh. so many lanyards and everything that it was just very overwhelming leaving on Sunday. I'm just hoping to see days gone. That's... It's it's close to the yes. release, like at 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 that time, it's not far out. So it was at uh one of the other PAX, PAX South, conventions, right. yeah. So I'm hoping it's at PAX East. I really want to try that out. Well, I heard they have a Gearbox panel now, to where Gearbox is going to announce Borderlands Three, which I pray and hope that they they're do. in the main theater because the oh, Borderlands think- parties when I went there in 2015 was crazy. So people started like taking pictures and everything off the walls for borderlands. And then they had to like tell people to uh, bring stuff back. Like you're just, it's what happens with free drinks. People got nuts. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I'm jealous of you guys getting to go to PAX uh, sometime soon uh, in a year where I, I don't buy a house and uh, <laughs> have to take my, uh, my nephew to, uh, to Vegas for his 21st. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll be a fun time though. Uh, yeah, I can't wait um, for sure. Uh, my my older sister uh, took me when I turned twenty one, and we had the same age difference between her and I as my nephew and I. So um, I I made her a promise at, on that trip that I would do the same thing for him, and here we are. Uh, <laughs> other quick new release uh, out this week: Trials Rising. Uh, I'm not a Trials guy either, but um, this is a fun uh, series to watch people do just crazy stuff on on uh, Twitch and YouTube. So uh, I just felt like it was worth worth mentioning um, since, you know, people get uh, kind of crazy with it, um, especially as the, the game's out longer and longer. You guys ever watch any of those uh, crazy compilation videos or like tracks and just the, the nuts stuff that people do? I've done both the betas. This, this third round of betas I didn't do. I was in the first two private betas. It's fun. It's very similar to the other ones, but it seems like this one, it wants you to do way too many tricks in order to get through the courses. Mm-hmm. where it seems like overwhelming but at the same time it's uh it's still good like the other ones i enjoyed it yeah sometimes with kind of annualized or semi-annual series uh, like that you know the on the one hand it's cool you get a new game fairly often but on the other uh it seems like the iterations are pretty gradual and what they add or take away and you know change same thing with like your your maddens your ncaa's you know true yeah, I, I I love when I'm just scrolling on Facebook and like um, I like a ton of game stuff on there. So like when one of the videos pops up of like an insane trials run through like one of the most difficult stages, it's like so mesmerizing to watch because like these people are pulling off some incredibly difficult things. And I'm like, you know what, dude, he did it. I'm going to go try that. Then I'll pop in trials and I'll try and do it. And I just get embarrassed on one of the most basic ramps. <laughs> And I shut it off. Yeah, it is pretty mesmerizing. You're, I think that that's the right word for that. Like, 
Um, half the time, I don't even know really like what's going on or like the deeper meta. I'm just like fucking hard <laughs> right there. Whatever they're doing, that is not easy <laughs> at all. No, it's fun though. Like even failing, it's fun to fail in that game because especially like you're playing with friends and stuff. Like, oh man, dude, like who who who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna suck less to get to the end quicker? <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, Rush. Yeah, I'm getting off topic here now, but like uh, Rush um, 2049, I think, uh, back in like the N64 days. Did I have my console right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it had like a crash mode where it was like basically um, these just insane jumps and bumpers and things. And like you would just try to, to, to wreck your car essentially the hardest and like make it do like flips and like, yeah, like stuff like that, man. It's like crash mode and burnout. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, um, we're going to kind of move right into our rotating segment this week, uh, which is a suggestion from Eric G. Hollis from BitFace. So thank you, Eric, for the uh, for the suggestion. It's actually a question that I've uh, pondered and discussed a couple of times off mic with, uh, with friends or, you know, just thought about on my own. But uh, our segment today is uh, open world fatigue. So um, are we getting tired or overwhelmed by games that give us too much to do. Um, I think Eric had, uh, you know, made the point that Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was a great game, but he found almost no desire to, uh, to play it, I guess, due to this open world fatigue. So uh, I'm just going to open it right up to, to you all and uh, want weigh in one at a time or just kind of go back and forth. However you guys want to do this, but um, talk through I'm gonna it. I'm going to go last. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll start us off real quick. Let me just uh, give a shout-out to the greatest open-world video game ever made, Red Redemption 2. Bobby, play it. Hee-haw, brother. <laughs> hey, I installed it. I installed it. Dude. dude, you're one step closer to greatness, so hurry up. <laughs> All right, boy. It's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> um, no, but... So, I, I can totally understand where he's coming from because um, I find myself... Um, what did I just play? I, I It was Red Dead. I had just played Red Dead, and I wanted to start another game. Um, and I had just bought, I think I told you guys, I had just bought, at the time, um, Assassin's Creed and Tomb Raider. And I was like, dude, I just played Red Dead, and what a fucking open world it was. I don't want to jump into another open world game right away. I kind of want something a little more linear uh, to, um, you know, kind of be that in-between game so I, I don't fatigue myself. And um, Tomb Raider, while it's it's a little more open than its previous iterations, uh, is not anywhere near the open world Assassin's Creed and Red Dead is. And um, it was like the perfect the perfect game for me to, to play in between because, like I said, it's, it's totally a real thing, especially with a game like Red Dead where I'm still popping that game in and finding new things. So, like... They did a good job with that, but then you, there's other games that you know don't do it. And if you're playing a game, uh, for for me personally, I didn't find a whole lot of joy in exploring the world of Horizon Zero Dawn. And I thought the gameplay was fantastic, fighting the machines was awesome, but the the exploring portion, I man, I just didn't have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, after you see all the different kind of dino bots and everything, hey, shout out to Transformers. Different, <laughs> um, like I didn't, I didn't really feel compelled, or you know, I wasn't feeling pulled in into the world to be like, oh man, 
Like, dude, what's all the way over there, man? Like, I gotta go find out. Like, what what secrets is it holding or something? Like, I didn't find that 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 pull in that game. So, I don't know if when I played it, I was in the middle of open world fatigue. I don't I don't remember. So that could be it. And if I tried to go back, it might be different. But it's totally a real thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I will say for myself personally, and Adam, you and kind of Mike. Well, I guess technically on mic, but off recording um, about this. Like for me, like I, I just pace myself when it comes to playing open world games. And I think you kind of touched on this a little bit as well, Zach. Like when I finish an open world game, I need a palate cleanser. Like I need either like a big yes. shooter. Perfect, perfect word. I couldn't think of it. Great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. Just something that is as far removed from that as possible. The other thing that I do is when I play an open world game, I have made myself understand through just like you know saying it over and over again like it's okay if you don't do everything on the map it's okay if you don't do everything on the map because we're i think at a point where um you know if you're enjoying it great go wild do everything on the map but it often turns something that would otherwise be a fun and organic experience into something that it feels like a chore and I think that's one of the things I like so much about Red Dead 2 is that you have a few icons on the map, but largely that map is free of a lot of shit kind of, you know, uh, that makes it overwhelming. I mean, at times, you know, when there's a lot of quest active, it can kind of get a little bit like that. But um, I'll give you a good example. Um, Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, man, uh, like when you get through the opening chapter of that game, uh, like it, it, you, you're just like, where do I even begin? And then you realize that like what you're looking at isn't even the full map. You're just in a very small slice of it. And I think it kind of, it, it can make you feel like you don't even want to get started because there's just so much to look at. Um, I, I, you had touched on a little bit horizon zero dawn. Um, that's a game that I feel like, uh, skirted a little bit on the side of just a bit too much to do, but right at the time that I was getting sick of collecting something or doing something, like I was done with it. So I'll, I'll give it a bit of a pass, but I would agree with you that the combat and some of the other stuff is more interesting than the world itself in a lot of ways. Um, whereas Spider Man, um, a game that like largely like I enjoyed, I think it's an awesome game, uh, was a game that I like. Me personally, I would have shaved 50% off of every activity from that game. 50% less strongholds, 50% less crimes. Like across the board, that I think that game had um, 50% more junk that I didn't need to do to feel like I got the full experience and felt like I got my money's worth. Um, uh, oh, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off real there. I only, I only wanted to add on the Spider-Man um, the only pass I give that game is because you're playing a superhero. So like, sure, I, traversing the world is fun and all that. I yeah, don't know. Like, like, I maybe it's certain things. Like you know, uh, like I didn't mind. I guess uh, so much. Like a couple of, like the challenges, as long as they were new. But like, God, man, some of the like the like doing those crimes over and over again, and and some of the uh, the other activities, it just it felt like too much. So I guess for me it boils down to have a palate cleanser between open world games and then you know uh know that it's okay to 
not do everything. Like you don't need to platinum it. You don't need to check off every box. I think some of us, myself included, have a strong instinct to want to do those things. But if you're not enjoying it, um, I say go back to the main quest line or, you know, restrict yourself um, to, to some side quest. And um, I think that kind of helps with the open world fatigue. So that's my thoughts. What about you, Bobby? I kind of feel the same. I I did get open world fatigue with uh, God of War. I loved God of War. Uh, I got tired of uh, hearing him just call his son boy uh, <laughs> after after a uh, long period of time. But I did. I never platinumed a bit, and I I know that like ninety percent of my friends did on PlayStation. They all platinumed it. And I just, that just seems like it just became like rinse and repeat at the end where you have to fight the Valkyries. Valkyries uh, not and then no jokers. Yeah, well, that's my thing. And I'm, I'm getting so frustrated. I'm like, I'm literally doing this just for a trophy. And then I was just go do something else. And then that's when I platinum Peggle uh, 2, which was way worse to platinum, I believe, than God of War. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do believe that at a certain point you get tired of the. Uh, rinse and repeat like i did the same thing with infamous uh i loved infamous i beat it the first time but some of those uh games where they want you to play it through twice or three times it just it, it just wears on you bad like knack knack is it's a game i'm not going to say it's ever comparable to mario or whatever that that sony tried to compare it to uh but knack and those other games it's like you had to beat it two or three times with different characters and it just it just becomes so mundane that you're just like, yeah, I don't want to keep doing this. So you just try to find something else to do. But I'm hoping that now that I've installed Red Dead Redemption, uh, it is all installed up to date. Uh, I did install Metro Exodus and, and started that. Uh, that was something I started today. Uh, but my daughter saw the little things coming out in the beginning, and then I had to stop. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with open world games. Uh, I love them. Uh, because they're beautiful, but I hate them because sometimes they're just so long. Even the Uncharted series was the same way, where you had to beat it on three different... Uh, you have to beat it three different ways in order to platinum it, which just... You just must really hate yourself to platinum it. Even though I did. Uh, you just you just have to go back sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, a discussion that we can have sometime as well is um, yeah, trophy and, and achievement structure. Yeah. And, you know, what, how much is, you know, too much and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree with, um, a lot of your, your, your points, you know, and, and sometimes it's just what speaks to you as a gamer, you know, as far as yeah. like, what is too much for an open world game? Um, how many can you stomach in a row? That kind of thing. I mean, um, I know, uh, my brother, like personally, like in some recent conversations I've had with him, um, he feels like he's just over open world games largely like as a genre, which is, you know, that's fine. Um, uh, I know that like, I, you know, I can remember like when open world games became a thing with like Far Cry, Assassin's Creed and all that, um, there was sort of a novelty to them. And it's funny just like to see like, you know, kind of innocently, like how small they are, were then compared to, to now. And I think sometimes, developer can conflate like you know quantity with quality and i think it's important to to put the latter over the former personally but sure 
Uh, Adam, what you got, man? I know you said you had some, some opinions on uh, open world and you wanted to go last. So let's, let's, uh, let's close it out here, buddy. Oh yeah. It's not too crazy. Um, first of all, I love my boy, Eric. That's my guy from Bitface. Check him out. It's like shit face, but bit. <laughs> I definitely want to give him his give him his, his shout out. But for open world, could is it possible to go overwhelmed? Because how much to give you? It's possible, but that doesn't happen for me. Like I straight up, I know within twenty minutes of a game if I'm gonna want to play it. Period. So if I'm gonna enjoy the game, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, 100 percent did everything on the map. Enjoyed that game thoroughly. Red Dead did the exact same thing. But I didn't play another open world game. You know, there was 10 more that came out between that time, but I didn't play them. So I don't get fatigued because I pick and choose what I like. It's like you go to a pizza place. They make 30 pizzas. I'm going to eat the two pizza slices I want to eat. So there can be as many pizzas here as they want. I don't care. So it's it's a thing that there's a lot of those games out, but I never get fatigued because I don't overburden myself with it. So like even uh, if uh, with the open world, like sometimes I'll do everything in there. But like if there's races in it and I don't want to do a race, I just won't do the races. I'll do everything but them because I don't care about 100%ing. I don't care about a platinum. I just play what I want to play. So I never get fatigued because I do what I want to do. So if you just take it in that direction, I think that you can be fine because you can fatigue yourself because they give you enough to give make yourself fatigued. But if you pace yourself and do what you want to do, how you want to do it, you'll be fine. Because, like, I like Battle Royale. On Steam, there's a Battle Royale game every day. But I only play the two or three that I want to play because those are the ones that I enjoy. So that's how I look at fatigue with any genre. Like, it's definitely a thing, but I just don't allow myself to do that because it just I manage my time and how I want to do things. So it's never, ever been a problem for me because I won't let it be. So that's pretty much how I handle, you know, fatigue of any of any sort. So it sounds like we're all largely in agreement, you know, uh, play as much as or as little as you want and, you know, maybe have a palate cleanser and don't just don't over uh, overburden yourself with any particular genre. Um, you know, and I think that doesn't just apply to open world games as well. Like I can't imagine playing, you know, three or four platformers in a, in a row and those tend to be a lot shorter than an open world game. So all right, awesome. <laughs> So uh, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, wind the show down here. And then after that, we'll have a hold from Respawn, Aim, Fire uh, on with uh, Adam um, to talk uh, Metro Exodus. Uh, so um, Adam, uh, what, what have you been up to, man? What, what you been checking out? Yeah, just going to go real quick through here. Still playing Apex, of course. Absolutely killing it. Can't even count how many victories I have uh, at this point. Uh, I can't count them, but that's it, it's a good game. It continues to be good. Interested in seeing the Battle Pass or whatever comes out next month. Seeing what that's going to be about. But the main games played was Crackdown 3. Uh, played on Games Pass. That game is... I know it's going to be kind of controversial. It is definitely a 6. But it's if you like that kind of 6, it's good. Like, people are, you know, everyone's complaining, oh, it got two harsh reviews, it should be this, it's trying to be the crackdown, it's the best crackdown. Yes, it is the best kind of this game if you like this kind of game. But that doesn't mean, like, I would never say, hey, go spend $300 to buy an Xbox to play crackdown. But if you like crackdown and you have an Xbox, play crackdown. So I've been enjoying it. It's fun to jump around, air dash, you know. I like that kind of game, but I like that kind of game. And then I bought Far Cry 5 because it was like $15. And instead of New Dawn, I was going to get New Dawn, but I was like, you know what? Five is cheap. Let me just try this out. And I think 
honestly, I've played every Far Cry game, but I've always waited a year after when it was super cheap, and I yeah. love these games. Like, mm-hmm. talking about open world stuff, like, I've been going into this game, just collecting the stuff that I want to collect. I'm like, I want all my partners. Now let me take these bases. I enjoy it. So I've been playing Crackdown and Far Cry 5. Played about 15 hours of that this weekend. And that's that's what I've been into. Sweet. Awesome. Um, how about you, uh, Mr. Miller? What you been playing? Uh, I I just came back to uh, take a little break. Uh, I've been doing some other things, but I came back and the first thing I did was Apex Legends as well. I did yeah. try the Tetris 99. Uh, I did not know what the hell was happening. I lost <laughs> twice because the board filled up before I, I could figure out what was happening. I was just uh, mesmerized of the things around the Tetris, like just looking at every other person's board. And then I realized that mine was, uh, I got tore up twice because I was too busy just looking around. Uh, but Apex is, it's fantastic, man. And I heard that Fortnite, uh, the new season eight is now, they incorporated like the ping system and the respawn system uh, from Apex, which I, I think is hilarious. Uh, I I don't know. Fortnite just seems to copy everything, but I don't know if Apex has a uh, a right to whatever they came out with. So it seems to work for them. But now that Fortnite has it, I don't know if Fortnite's going to uh, dwindle down. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I think those uh, games are so apples and oranges, like that. I, I think there's a whole bunch of people that play it's Apex. The building, yeah, never... it's the building. I I can't stand the building. It's like if you play, especially if you play crossplay with all the platforms where you're shooting at someone, and next thing you know, they have a high rise building, and you're just like, I just shot you like a couple times. I don't know how you died, and now you're in a fortress. Uh, that's the only thing I never liked about Fortnite, uh, but it is what separates the two. But the ping system definitely separated them with Apex, uh, where you could point out weapons and tell people where to go. Like you never had to talk to anyone, which was great. Even though the blueberries, uh, Destiny reference, uh, it, it just sometimes some of them were just so god awful. Uh, but it, yeah, Apex is what I've been playing, and Tetris I tried twice, but Apex is just so good. It's just so quick. It's it's fun, it's quick, and you can either get angry or happy very quickly. I know that I've only been playing it twice for the past 24, 48 hours. I played it a couple times, and I know I've gotten three wins uh, within like the, the handful of times that I played. It's just, it's so rewarding. I, I love it. It's a great game. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Cassell, wow. what you been playing, man? Um, so I've been diving super deep into Anthem. Um, um, That's pretty much been consuming the majority of my time. Um, I dabbled in Crackdown 3. um, And like Adam said, it's it's a fun game. It's it's not a good game. It's just, uh, if I'm, you know, uh, I don't want to play something right now, I don't really want to get into anything, I'll just go collect a few orbs on Crackdown real quick. And like, that's, you know, that's what's good about it is it's, I don't play it for the story. I don't play it for anything other than to go in, collect stuff and beat people up. And it's fun for that. But as far as Anthem goes, I'm, I'm only going to focus on the positives here. The game is so much fun. Um, so do you remember the scene in the Avengers where... Um, Tony's flying through and then he, he's, uh, 
interacting with like each of the different Avengers, like he'll fly by Hawkeye and he was doing his thing on the roof and then he flew down and helped cap on the street real quick. Um, it was like a really cool moment. Like you going through and seeing Tony help the team. And I made the Colossus in Anthem. So my whole mission is to, um, run around, cause chaos and bring attention to myself. And, I just literally, that's all I could think of while I was doing it. I was flying around, smashing down on a huge group of enemies, which um, will detonate a combo, you know, if the enemies happen to be on fire or anything. And um, I fly in, help this dude out while he's fighting, you know, an enemy that's got a, a tough shield or something. And I take off and I go to the next, uh, my next buddy who's fighting people over in the other corner or trying to take out like a big turret. And I'm slamming down there. I'm helping there, putting the turret on fire, jumping out, diving into the middle, taking out the group of guys that are spawning. Like, it just, it literally made me feel like a superhero. And no other game's ever done that. Um, it's just, I, I, I can't sing its praises enough as far as gameplay goes and how much fun I'm having um, playing it. There are, there, are, there are problems with the game. And, you know, the good thing is, is they're being very transparent and they're being open about everything. Um, you know, about fixes and, and um, addressing problems and answering you know, the community's questions about the game. So, but as far as how fun it is to play, man, I'm, I'm having so much fun with it. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough for people who are into, um, you know, Destiny style, Division style games where you, um, it's really more about the end game than it is what comes before it. Although, I personally really enjoyed um, the story of Anthem. It wasn't, you know, up to par with other Bioware games, but, um, you know, if you really pay attention to it and you, you talk to the characters and you get um, more insight into the world and everything, it's it's actually pretty interesting um, what they've created, and I can't wait to see where they go with it. Excellent. Um, yeah, a game I think that I will, uh, to, after the demo impressions, I, I will eventually play uh, i have no doubt of that um just not quite where i want it to be um i don't have it in my my heart or time right now for another game like that so um but i will eventually uh be purchasing and playing anthem i'm sure you know sometime oh, in the next year so don't worry man i'm gonna be talking about it a lot so whenever new updates and stuff come out man i'll let you know i'll let you know buy it awesome awesome yeah i know i mean yeah keep us updated for sure man uh, for me, uh, this uh, this week is because I bought a house and moved. Um, has been all about the battle royales for the most part. I, I you know, uh, been wanted to you know game, but I haven't had long chunks of time here and there. So I've been playing a lot of Apex, like uh, like a lot of us in the group. Um, a lot of Tetris ninety nine actually in my lunch breaks and things. I do like it. I still don't have a, a win in either of those games, but I've got plenty of second, and third places, which is. Almost worse in a way. <laughs> Just Bobby will carry you tonight, hey, that'd be a win in my book. I'm never <laughs> top ten if I ever play any of those kind of games. So if I got two or three, man, I'm jumping for joy. Uh, yeah, man. It's you know, it's it's still fun. Like I enjoyed like there's that especially when you get down to like you know, the nitty gritty uh for any battle royale. So yeah, I've been joining that. Um i I have been occasionally popping in to uh help um, one of my friends uh um, with uh, the original Dark Souls, he he played three, enjoyed it. Um, the one is a little more obtuse, and uh, in some ways, it's a little harder just because of mechanically. Um, there's just a lot of quality of life things that aren't present in that game that they changed in Dark Souls three. 
for example, being able to to move and heal at the same time. You can warp from bonfire to bonfire, like from the start in Dark Souls 3. You have to wait till about the halfway point in Dark Souls 1. So a lot of it is less me helping him with boss fights, although I've done that a couple of times, but more like showing him where to go and where some secrets and stuff are. Um, but uh, so that's been fun. And uh, I'm very close to platinuming Bloodborne. So um, be, you guys have heard me talk about playing a lot of From Software games. It's because Sekiro comes out next month, and I'm, I'm super hamped uh, on that. Um, it looks awesome. Yeah, it looks hard as nails, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. But I realized I was close to Bloodborne, so um, I, uh, I looked up a guide on just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I've, I think I've got two trophies remaining, uh, one of which is the final ending. Um, I found a way to kind of cheese the save where you can you know, do the manual save to the cloud uh, so that I could just you know get the... the three distinct endings. Um, this is my second playthrough technically. And then the other achievement is unfortunately the most time consuming, but uh, lucky for me, it's also kind of a fun achievement where you're going through these like secret dungeons. Like, you know, it's like you talk about end game, like this is like not, it's apart from the main story uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but like, it's just a very grindy, it kind of each dungeon is harder than the last. And uh, I'm enjoying that. So that's been cool. Can I ask you a question real quick about Bloodborne? Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, I, I own the game. I played quite a bit of it um, while I was um, in the military. And uh, I put it down, and it's been quite a long time since I've played it. Uh, do you think it's, like, is it, I know it's worth going back into, but, like, is it easy to pick back up and like, um, get back into the swing of it? I'm pretty how far in the game. Yeah. Um, so when I beat Bloodborne, I got to, uh, I'm trying to think, um, I got up to the rum, the vacuous spider, maybe a little bit farther past that. And then I put the game down for like maybe a year, like six months. And I got back in and it was a little rough for like the first like half hour. But after I sort of got my, my bearings, like I just looked up a guy to go, okay, like, where do I need to go next? Okay. That's okay. That's the next spot. And then once I was there, like I was in it and, um, you know, I, uh, I was able to, to kind of push through and, and beat the game for the first time. I, yeah, I think it's absolutely worth doing. Um, some of the, uh, like, I don't know if you have the, if you own the DLC, but that's some of the coolest stuff in the game. Um, and probably something you should save towards the tail end, but some of the, the final areas are, are amongst the best in the game as well. So, um, I've also got a completely different friend, the one I'm helping through dark souls who, loves uh hp lovecraft and has never played a dark souls or bloodborne game and i said all right this is hard but i think you're gonna like the lore so much that like you may push through it and uh, i checked in with him last night uh and he was like i don't know that i can do it and i gave him a little pep talk and i was like hey man uh so here's a few things um to to kind of know that are that make your life a little easier here's some tips and he just posted on facebook actually right before we started the show that he had a productive day of doing laundry cooking dinner and slaying the cleric beast and that was like you know half the people on his timeline probably don't know what the fuck he's talking about but i was like holy shit man that's awesome and i think those first couple bosses are the biggest barrier to entry like if you can get past that like it's as much a mental barrier as it is a you know physical because 
every subsequent boss, you know, like it's, it's, you're just, you're learning like, you know, and if you can do it once and learn a boss's, you know, techniques and, and, you know, how to, to sort of evade and, and learn, you know, the, the tells, cause each boss has a tell, then you, you can be any boss in the game with enough time and persistence. So sweet. I think uh, we're going to do a test run on my streaming equipment, maybe over the weekend or early next week. Um, just so I can make sure everything is set up and running correctly before I start, uh, the, my show which i've decided to call rental rush by the way um rental rush is going to be the name of the the show um and i think he's going to come over and i'm going to give him some coaching uh through it just to, to kind of test the equipment so that'll be exciting but uh yeah that's it so um adam uh let's go ahead and do our our, uh, our here where can we find you on the interweb i can find me at adam gumby and uh follow the show at ec games pod Excellent. How about you, Robbie Bobby Miller? Oh, it was cutting out there. Yeah, I are uh, smooth four two three. Uh, I I've been on Twitch and uh, um, on Twitter. Uh, I've been trying to set it up, but I've had some family things come up the past two weeks uh, that I'm still trying to take care of. I've been jumping between house to house trying to figure things out uh but hopefully soon i'll get everything together excellent and how about you zach where can people find you my friend uh i'm at optimus prime on twitter that's uh two m's in both optimus and prime as well as two e's and uh still still uh getting the finishing touches on on my uh twitch and all that so i'll i'll I'll, uh give that information out when i'm uh absolutely ready very cool. Well, you can find me at It's Waterman on uh, Twitter, and uh, I am still mulling over what I want to call the Twitch uh, channel. I technically have an account with Chris Ninety Day, but I think I may create a second account for the purposes of the show. Well, it has been a pleasure uh, coming up here to round out the show. We have um, Adam and uh, Holden from Respawn Aim Fire talking Metro Exodus. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, it's been a pleasure, and we will see you next week. Take it easy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the East Coast Games Podcast. Um, I'm here today with Holden from Respawn Aim Fire to talk a little Metro Exodus. Uh, how are you doing there, Holden? I'm doing very well. Um, just, I just beat Metro Exodus, so how can I be doing well? It's a great just, game. Just did today. Yeah, I got about... What was that? What do you think that'd be about seven, eight hours into it, maybe? Yeah, it sounds like you were kind of in the first third, like you kind of beat the first third of it, close to the first half. Yeah, so we're this discussion will be general, but I mean, if we go into spoilers, we're going to spoilers because it's not a huge deal. So just warning now, spoilers <laughs> oh, for Metrics this possible. Definitely story, story spoilers for sure. Because I want to hear, because again, I'm one of those people who spoils things for myself and just reads like the wiki plot summary <laughs> but i want to hear you know what actually happened so yeah um is there anywhere that you want to start this conversation or um, um i guess i'm just kind of interested in how this has progressed from the past two games because you've played it sounds like 2023 and last light yes i have played a little bit of both of the uh, okay the older games yeah and um, yeah it's those older games do not hold up no, there's definitely some wonkiness. And there's definitely some wonkiness in this game, too. But there's just... The old games had a lot of really awkward, bad animations. Uh, so it got, like, atmosphere and things like that, right? But I think what separates this one is the open-ended level design of, of certain areas. Yeah, it's kind of a, 
Yeah, once you get to yeah, the open, because um, the game starts and it's very much like you're in the the metro tunnels, mm-hmm. you're in the corridors. I'm like, okay, well, I know this, but then you know, maybe about an hour or so in, you get into an open world area, and I'm like, okay, this is this is what makes it different. This is what makes it feel modern. And like, thank God Absolutely, that they did yeah. this because they had to do that. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember so uh, on on our podcast, uh, Chad, he's the uh, the host he did not like 2033 at all basically because like it was just a big tunnel just going down literally the entire time and i he kept falling for the marketing of this and saying oh i can't wait for metro exodus i'm like you're not gonna like it if you didn't like uh, 2033 at all so i told him i'd tell him what i thought i played the first level and the first level is just identical to 2033 and lastly in terms of that like very narrow very claustrophobic just go down this corridor and then, yeah, once it opens up, I, I t- texted him at that moment. I'm like, you're not going to like this. D- don't play this game. As soon as you get to the open areas, it's like, oh, no, do play this game, Chad. It's a good advancement. They do a lot of interesting things in the open world while still making it feel kind of claustrophobic and isolating at the same time. Yeah, they'll still the- give you the moments of the of the of the isolation and the, the slower pace. But then yeah. they also give you like a big area and it's better paced that way. Like, it's not just I'm slogging through a tunnel. It's. Here's mm-hmm. a tense tunnel part. Here's an open part. Here's a firefight. Here's maybe try to be more stealthy. Mm-hmm. They open it up in uh, all kinds of ways. It also kind of leaves up to you. Like there's so many side areas you could go to or not go to. It's kind of up to you. So you can kind of control the pacing in that regard too. So it's 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 nice. There's still um, there's there's a good level of freedom in each of the levels. There's only three open areas though. All the other levels in the game are that kind of single corridor go down the single path. Yeah, and I think all three levels are related to a season, right? So you start yes winter, then you go spring, and then summer, I believe. Um, yeah, it's winter is the first area, and then it's spring or summer, and the last one's autumn. Autumn, yes, yeah. Okay. And the last area too is interesting because it's it's open ended, but you are trying mm-hmm. to get from one side to the other, from one end of the map to the other end of the map. And you're just going from point A to point B the entire time. But it's still open in how you get there. So it's still, yeah, can, it's linear. It's it's just more kind of focused. Yeah, it's like a big area where you can be linear. It's like, here's yeah. your goal, but like, eh, go around if you want. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, whereas the other areas, the the Caspian uh, Sea and um, the Volga, I think is the winter area. Those mm-hmm. areas, it's more of like, all right, backtrack, go back to this area. Um, again, you're exploring a map more freely. It's not as structured as the last open area is. The Taiga is the last area. Yeah, which but, I d- did not get to personally. Like I said, I started in the first third. But I have, you know, looked at some YouTube stuff and read the synopsis. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to see how the last area would have played out. How do you? I mean, I love the first area. I think it's really cool, and I like the, all the variety. Do you think that they made enough? They varied up the gameplay. Did they vary up the aesthetics enough? Yeah, actually, what they do. What's really interesting in the last area is I think something really smart with gameplay. Um, there's so much kind of crafting and resource, um, kind of using your resources on the fly. Uh, of making like medical packs or just ammo that kind of stuff what they do in the last area is they take everything away from you and you just have a bow and you have to kind of scrounge and it's kind of like okay so you played the game now what did you learn from the game and you just kind of have to use your environment to your advantage so you can go stealthy if you want to but if you go guns a blazing it's kind of hard at first because you don't have guns to start off with it's, it's kind of a cool area in that regard so i think that's what distinguishes it more 
than necessarily the environment, although it is uh, a more heavily wooded area, so it does stand out in that aspect as well. But the gameplay is what I think uh, was really notable in that area. Now, that sounds pretty cool where it's... Because, yeah, you're used to playing one way, but it's also teaching you. Like it, mm-hmm. The first parts aren't as survival-heavy, but it sounds like no. the last area is much more... Yeah. I mean, there's, there's survival elements kind of throughout, but you can kind of... They're not as important as like survival elements of like Resident Evil 2. It's not that, you know, um, that bare bones in terms of scrounging for resources. But you do kind of get more of a sense of that in the later areas. Um, the story, though, kind of falls off in the later areas. I was not as interested in the story, but the gameplay kind of kept me going. Um, I wanted to talk about that, that story moment that I was telling you about last night. Yeah. Yeah, um, there are definitely like little curveballs where you're like, okay, this is a really cool story beat. Then it's like, play these areas and like, here's a cool story beat. Oh, another thing, real quickly, yeah, about yeah. resource management. Thank God you don't have to do as much of the air filter stuff because those yes. old games, good God, that's all you did was air filters. And now this one, they're <laughs> just like, there's no radiation here. I'm like, thank Jesus Christ, because God, that was the worst part. But there anyway. are a few moments where you have to worry about your air filters, but it's definitely not like the whole game like it was with, with the first two absolutely also repairing your gas mask is way better than having to find another one that's not broken yeah it's just like slap some tape on that bad boy real quick <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um i want to talk about that, that story though so let's let's do a bit of that um you said you got to that story beat last night um i'm talking about the, the kind of the government twist yeah i guess is that's the part I that I got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to kind of set up, this is going to be heavily spoiler, uh, heavily in depth of spoilers. If you want to, I guess, avoid story, story beats, this is like the biggest beat of the game. You are heading towards the the government because I think you're going to find like salvation there or something like that. The art project, there. I believe, is what they called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out they're actually cannibals and they want to eat you. And it's just it's such a demented twist. And the way I think it plays out is very, very cool. I love that part. I'm not sure if you felt the same way, but I thought that was really fucking sick. Especially because it's it is the government, but there's yeah. cannibals now. It's not like a fake government. It's like, no, this is this is just what they felt to. This is yeah, exactly. Felt. Yeah. Which is really cool. My I mean, again, I didn't beat the entire game. Uh, the first story twist, I think, mm-hmm. to me, is even better. Um just because you know you've been in Moscow for all these games, and you know yeah. you think that the world has ended, and you get there, and it's like, oh, we've been jamming radio signals. The world is out there. Like there was nuclear yeah. war, but people like half the world is still alive. And you used to think just like Moscow was it. So whenever you oh, figure yeah. out, oh, there's the world is still out there, and this train can get you where you need to go. That to me was like, oh, damn, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, the story definitely has much more going on in the first half because you go from that and like, oh, there's actually the war is still going on out there. It's like, oh, when I get out into the world, I'm going to expect to see all these soldiers. I'll be, you know, um, in more kind of military conflicts. I'm interested to see what happens. And then none of that happens. It's like, oh, what's going on here? Really? The story definitely was more intriguing in the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah, between the the world is not dead and the yeah. cannibal thing, which the cannibal thing is such a good thing. You just come in there. You're like, oh. Yeah, this this was our one plan, and yep. uh, yeah, they're cannibals now. I think you're right, though, that the the first twist is the better twist. I think what I liked about, in terms of story twist, I think what I liked about the cannibal twist as well is that it's just 
it's it's so it's such a momentary thing like when it happens you instantly have to respond to it and get out of this facility that's just filled with these crazed cannibals trying to get you it's just it's i don't know i like the execution of that a lot yeah different enemy type and then yeah that that is more immediate that's that entire section is like quote-unquote linear but it's like here's a really cool story meet and like you need to get out of here Mm-hmm. Get back to your get back to your guys. Yeah, I get I get very excited about that part. Um, but yeah, and I, like thinking back to the last two games, I could not tell you a story beat in the, in the last two. Dude, games. the last two. There's something weird about like dark ones that are are they aliens or irradiated yeah. creatures that have t- telekinesis or psychic powers? Like I don't. It's weird. It I don't remember. Strange, yeah, and none of that's in this. It's just like here's the world. There's radiation. You're trying to survive. And, and it's all the better for it too. Well, yeah. It's like Uncharted Four, where like you kind of had some kind of hokey um, supernatural stuff in the first three games, and the fourth game there was none of that. Yeah, and same kind of thing here. There's really none of that stuff in this game. The last mission has a little bit of it, but there's no mention of the dark ones in any heavy way at all. Yeah, the most things it's like it's quote unquote supernatural. It's just oh, and here's just like. This is because of the fallout of, of nuclear war. Like that's why yeah. there are these creatures are like this. Isn't there <laughs> I didn't get to it, but I heard that there's a spider bunker, which is pretty uh pretty fucked up. A spider bunker? I don't think I found that. Really, there's a bunker with a bunch of big spiders in it. I don't I think maybe it's a side thing in the Oh. I don't know. I just saw it when maybe I was I searching through looking for videos and stuff because I hadn't beat it mm-hmm. all the way. And I was like, someone's like, there's a spider bunker. I'm like, hmm. Oh, I might have to go back in and play this again then. <laughs> I do love how whenever you use your lighter, which, by the way, probably the best item in the game is that lighter. Oh, really? I never used it. I use it all the time because it makes more light than the the flashlight is focused, but the lighter gives you more light. But burning away the it's spider true. webs and then a big spider just like crawls all over your arm and you just like have to sit there and watch it. It's a pretty cool little touch. I used the lighter once in an area where it was like super dark and you have to shine your light at the like. I guess this maybe this is spider nest you're talking about. The, the little spider creatures that you have to shine your flashlight on them to get them to go away. Is mm-hmm. that the area you're talking about? I think it might be. If they're in a okay. bunker, then yes. I think okay, I think that, yeah, that's the area you're talking about, yeah. Um, I used the lighter there because it was so dark I needed to see the immediate surroundings more often. But I didn't use the lighter that often. I don't know why. I always had it out just so I didn't have to keep recharging my, <laughs> my flashlight. But that, that is the thing about this game that um, the way that it looks... Here's, here's kind of my thing, right? The, between the way that the game looks, the way the game plays, and the story, mm-hmm. I think it hits on two of those things. And one of the things I really did not enjoy about the game, but I think it looks amazing, especially for it being like a smaller studio kind of a game. Like it yeah. looks ridiculously good. It does look really good, but there are definitely some moments later on, like in the desert. It's like, don't look too close to that grass because <laughs> that grass yeah. does not look great. But the lighting is what really shines. Yeah, the lighting is great. And then I also love not necessarily story, but character because there's so many it's I don't it's almost overwhelming how much dialogue there is. And it's interesting. And I want to stop and I'm like, okay, they're sitting here talking for five minutes. That was cool. I'm like, I'm going to take one step back and they start another thing. And I was like, I want to listen to all this, but this is a lot. It's a lot of dialogue, but it's it's interesting stuff. It is. The whole place feels so real, I think, because of that stuff. The fact that when you walk past someone talking, you know it's not just that blurb you heard. You know there's a full conversation they're having there. Like even not even if you don't listen to it, it's kind of just cool to know that. Yeah. And the only thing for me though is just that 
I don't know if it's just the way that I was playing the game, but the game, the gunplay feels a little slow to me. I think that's intentional, though, because I think there's yes. supposed to be like an anxiety while you're playing the game. And if it was too fast, I think you would lose some of that anxiety. Yes, which is you I was, feel uncomfortable. I was, yeah, yeah. Which I'm thinking is like, that's the way it's designed. But yeah. that's not the game that I wanted to play. Yeah, I, I hear you. I actually I think for me, I like this because I like slower shooters like that. Like I, I just played Bioshock Two um, for the podcast, and that's a much slower shooter, and I just prefer that. I don't know why. I'm like the opposite of everyone when it comes to that. It just depends what it is. There's some like I love. I'll play Bioshock all day, but it was just like I've got this pistol with three shots in it, and I'm like I gotta. Sit. I'm like I don't know. There was some gun. Maybe it was more gun than actual gunplay choices. Oh, you know, I know that gun you're talking about. Play. Yes, because when you you eventually get a six shot, and then you get an eight shot, and the eight shot's a lot faster. Okay, because that three shot, I'm like, who made a gun with three shots in it? Like that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> well, no, it's I'm actually glad you pointed that out because when I was in the the third area where they take everything away from you, eventually I found another revolver to use, but I didn't have the eight shot I had before. So I'm like, oh my god, this is so much slower. I I'm not used to this. <laughs> yeah. Why is this gun behaving this way? So I, I actually know exactly what you're talking about. I think it's that gun. Yeah, that gun because that's one of the starting guns they give you. Like they give you the AK, yeah. which is awesome, but ammo's sparse. Which makes sense, but it's like mm-hmm. well, I can't really use this thing that much. Yeah, so I just I stuck it. with a shotgun and pistol. Yeah, I switched to the to the shotgun eventually. Um, the shotgun pistol, I think it is, where it's like the double barrel, like long looking mm-hmm. thing. So that's my only real complaint with the game. Like, I do think that it's a good game, but I think you have to be you have to want to play a slower paced, you know, yeah. resource management sort of a thing, or you're not gonna like it. Like, if you go in expecting absolutely, even like Fallout, like you're not you're not gonna get that at all. Which is fine, yeah. but just you know, manage expectations, I suppose. Totally. It's definitely a very unique shooter in that regard. And I'd say even beyond the pace of the shooting and that being slow, it's also just kind of a slow-paced game as well. Like you said, you know, there's um, a lot of moments where you just want to listen to people talk. There's moments where you're in the train and you kind of have to listen to a long you know, dialogue sequence. It, it's more about the story in a lot of ways than it is about shooting mechanics in the way like a Call of Duty is about shooting mechanics. Yeah. It's not that kind of shooter. Also, some of the areas that are more open-ended, the desert in particular, is a lot of just wandering and walking around. And you're supposed to kind of feel like you're in this endless desert. So it, it works because it's slow, but it's also just totally not going to be your thing. Then you're not going to like this game. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told people about. I mean, it's kind of unrelated, but um, like No Man's Sky. My friend is, yeah, I really got into that game. Absolutely. So did I. The updates. Yeah, the updates made that game amazing. And he I actually was, liked it before the updates. I liked it from day one. <laughs> I didn't play the, I didn't play before. I only played at the next update, but I really liked it. And he was like, he tried playing it. And of course, the very beginning of that game is, it's, it kills you unnecessarily because you have no idea what's going on. Oh, yeah. But he was like, I've got like three or four hours in this game. He's literally said, it's like rubbing my dick against sandpaper. Is it supposed to be like this? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, do you like, um minecraft or terraria or any sort of resource gathering crafting games like not really and like then you're not gonna like this game like Mm -hmm. you have to know just like with metro you have to know what you're getting into and if you like it you like it if you won't you won't because if you do not like resource management sort of survival stuff if you don't enjoy characters you know listen they will talk for 10 15 minutes straight oh absolutely it's not good but if you like that stuff it's good so like i would say you know, I don't, we don't necessarily rate games, but I'd be like, this is like a solid, like eight out of 10. If you mm-hmm. like this kind of game. Yeah. I also like to just warn people that it's also kind of an awkward game. 
diet like um it'll be talking it's really great there's all this great dialogue but it's also kind of monotone in how it's delivered and the animations for the characters are also kind of awkward at the same time and i just think i have to like point that out as well and that's just because the studio size thing is just smaller they don't yeah. have the team and the budget to, to uh, make a full-on triple a game but I, I think that if you can look past those things it's got a really good story and the dialogue is really good if you're just willing to listen for what they're saying and not how they're saying it yeah those are, there are a couple of dudes where it's like all right you were you in skyrim my guy because you sound just <laughs> like that dude but it's like yeah if it's yeah. the writing is good it's not always it is yeah. perfectly you know like you said acted out but I think if you're interested in those things that are good about it, it'll work for you perfectly. Yeah. And it is a small, and like I say, for a smaller game, you know, quote unquote, because it's not a gigantic studio, like they did a really good job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this is a studio that I really want people to buy this game because I want them to get more money so they can continue making this franchise better and better and better. Because every, every game it has gotten significantly better. Yeah. This is definitely the best game in the series, for sure. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Like I couldn't even finish one all the way through so <laughs> i just tell you um yeah you know i got a lot farther and i wanted to get farther in this than the other one so yeah it's definitely um it's definitely a plus for me so yeah especially you know it'll probably be on sale i mean by the time you listen to this it might already have a sale on it but yeah give those guys some money like they made a good product mm-hmm. you know i i enjoy little guys yeah man help them out but um is there anything else you wanted to say before we hopped off of this um i think that covers my opinions yeah Okay. I don't cool. think I have anything else to say. All right. Well, do you want to go ahead and uh, plug yourself in your uh, in your podcast that I guested on <laughs> yeah. a couple weeks ago? So yeah, it is uh, at Respawn Aim Fire. Uh, it's every Tuesday we release a new episode, um, and also we have a new um, a, what's called a Barf episode, which is our backlog accomplishments with Respawn and friends, where we play a backlog game every month. This month we just played Bioshock Two. So if you want to hear opinions on Bioshock Two, we just released an episode about that yesterday, I believe, and the DLC, right? And the DLC Minerva's Den, yeah. Which is really good. It is. It was really good. We had a good time with it. Minerva's Den in particular. Yeah, Minerva's Den I think is better than the whole game. Yeah, it um, is. That's the I've best that, piece of Bioshock I've played so far. Yeah, I've got you guys queued up, and uh, I'll be listening to that very soon. So Sounds go ahead and good. what's your, you. uh, your Twitter handles? Because everyone likes to use the Twitter. Oh, um, I mean, my Twitter handle is just at Holden Depardo, but I'm never on Twitter. I'm I'm an old man. I don't like barely text people. I'm barely on social media. Um, Jed is the social media guru. So at holding the part if you want to follow me, but uh, um, I, I won't spam you, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I appreciate you coming on and um, see you guys later.